Welcome to IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast. IFA Talk is for professional investors only. Thank you. Today, we will be speaking to Jan Swiderski, co-founder of the Global Returns Project. Thanks very much for joining us for the latest IFA Magazine podcast. My name is Rebecca Tomes and I'm junior editor of IFA Magazine. And today, I'm very excited to be speaking to Jan Swiderski, co-founder of the Global Returns Project. Thanks so much for joining us today, Jan. Um, it's my pleasure, Rebecca. Thank you very much for having me. Welcome. So um, just to kick off, would you mind, for all of our listeners who don't know, just running us through a little bit about your background and how the Global Returns Project came about? Sure. So um, I, I've um, spent most of my career in finance and um, I was a fund manager running a, a business called Finisterre Capital. And we were investing in portfolios all over the world. Um, and um, I retired from that business in 2014 uh, to run an organic farm. And um, I've always been very concerned about environmental issues and, and what's going on in the world. Obviously, from <clears throat> having a fund management background, I keep an active interest in, in you know, future developments and what medium term outlook and long term outlook is for, for everyone. And uh, I, I started uh, doing a sort of podcast not a podcast, a, a, a regular email to, to about 130 people, friends of mine, about environmental issues. And one of them said, well, you know, you keep ten- sending us all this terrifying stuff. What are we <laughs> going to do about it? <laughs> and um, <clears throat> that, that friend was Jasper Judd, who's, who's the other co-founder. And so we set up the Global Returns Project, which was you know, given our background in in, he, in business and finance, I mean, he's always been involved in multinational businesses and I've always been involved in finance. We thought if there was some way to incorporate a um, an allocation or, 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 or a contribution to some of the best climate not-for-profits yeah. into every everybody's financial planning and financial transactions, then probably a lot of people would want to do that if we could make it easy and normal for them to do it. And if they had confidence that, you know, um, what they were doing was going to have, um, was was going to be effective. So that was the, that was the origin of the Global Returns Project. So what we've done is we've, we've put together something we call the Global Returns Portfolio, which is a carefully researched and selected um, group of climate and nature not-for-profits who are at the forefront of taking effective climate action. And uh, we have a panel of experts who, scientific experts on climate change who, who advise us in that process and we monitor that. And the idea is that we've done all the hard work and all the due diligence and that if anyone wants to take some meaningful climate action which will be effective, they could just make a a contribution to that portfolio and they would know that they were really making a difference and the idea behind the global returns project is to make that a normal part of the financial landscape yeah i mean that's so important isn't it just making it easier for people and because i think a lot of people they want to help but they just don't know how so <laughs> i think that's really exactly. good making it really easy okay so um Moving on a bit then, so what type of organisation does the Global Returns Project work with? Well, um, we, we work with a, a range of organisations, but we, you know, because of our backgrounds, we're, we're directing ourselves towards finance. And it's really 
finance and business where we think um, there is the most potential and where um, you know if this gets widely adopted it can have the most impact and so we're, we're working with independent financial advisors fund managers venture capital companies and normal businesses really as part of their um, corporate and social responsibility brilliant um, and what are the latest partnerships so um, we, we've got a lot that we're working on but only a handful so far have been have been formalized and they're in sort of all in slightly different categories then I can just run through those um, and explain how each one of them works so one of them is is with TT International which is a, a, a UK-based international fund manager um, and they have an environmental solutions fund and when they set that fund up they um, structured it so that one third of the management fee goes to environmental charities and the global returns portfolio is one of those charities um, and um, you know this is precisely the kind of mechanism we were trying to promote actually TT had already come up with this structure so effectively they were uh, an early adopter and you know people say to us oh I've had that idea and I said, yeah, well, lots of people have had this idea, but we're trying to make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> and TT International, you know, were, were ahead of us in the sense that they, they'd already set up this fund, but they saw what we were doing and said, well, this is exactly what we're what we're trying to achieve. So that's, you know, one application. And what that means is that anyone investing in that fund is automatically, because they're invested in the fund, making a, a contribution to some of the best climate and nature not-for-profits. Um, then there's a, another example, which is a, a, a venture capital company called Cyrus Select Capital. They're a UK-based uh, venture capital company. And what they've agreed to do is to give a proportion of the carry, i.e. the performance, on all their future deals to the global returns portfolio. Um, so that is that is quite a powerful statement of mm. you know incorporating it in in their in their normal business, and hopefully it will over time mean a lot of money flowing into these organisations. Um, another one is a is a is a um, an organisation called Envirovest, N N V I R O Vest, and they're they're uh, essentially a, a sort of um, ESG offering to retail investors. They're not launched yet, but we will be in partnership with them. So um, that's that's sort of ongoing. It's very early stage. And then um, we're also talking, and it's probably more interesting to your audience, to a whole range of IFAs about implementing this as part of their normal business. So they would talk to their clients about their sustainability preferences or their um, investment exclusions or you know what they what they uh, want to achieve from a sustainability point of view and they would the idea is that they would then you know include the global returns portfolio as a as part of their offering now where we are with those is um, you know some are, uh, have allowed us to make presentations to their clients already and so we're we're sort of in you know 
in direct contact with some of those people. Others are, are sending our information to selected clients by email um, and others um, just refer people to us informally uh, when they've made them aware of, of, of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. So those are all um, sort of early stage partnerships and none of them have implemented it on a, on a sort of firm wide basis. But, um, you know, this is a process of, of gradual implementation. So, but I mean, these are all um, ongoing um, projects. And then the other the other area which is really quite interesting is we're talking also to corporates um, about um, their offsetting and corporate and social responsibility. And um, you know, a bit like ESG offsetting is also kind of problematic. It's something which sounds like a simple solution, but in fact, there are lots of easy ways to get it wrong. Mm -hmm. And and um, there are a lot of offsets which are frankly suspect yeah. <laughs> and, and, and if you were to you know in order to do a, a, a really effective offset um, what you need to do is suck CO2 out of the air and lock it away for hundreds of years mm -hmm. and that would be an offset but most of the offsets that you can buy have problems with permanence i.e you know you might be planting trees but we don't know how long those trees are going to be there yeah. or they might all go up in smoke like they done unfortunately in places like Australia and the US or there might be other problems or you might be putting money into projects which were going to happen anyway so there's no additionality there at all um, or you might just be displacing um, an activity um, in a different way so so um, as an alternative to that what you can do is put money into the global returns portfolio now we're not an offset but we're tackling the root causes of climate and nature, the climate and nature crisis, which are really one crisis. And there are organisations within the portfolio that are planting trees and protecting rainforests. But also there are organisations which are doing things which are which are beyond the capability of offsets. So so one fund manager we, we spoke to um has decided to do all of their offsetting by putting money into the global returns project and using a reference price of the 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 compliance market the 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 official uh, regulated carbon credit market where you know um a ton of carbon trades at say around 70 pounds a ton much more than the you know seven pounds a ton which you might get in other places um <laughs> And then, and then there's a formal um, uh, sort of uh, uh, partnership, if you like, or, or cooperation with a with a company called Zella, and they are an offsetting uh, business. And what they do is they find obviously the best offsets, which are not suspect, but <laughs> they also say, you know, if there are things you want to do beyond that, and we think that everyone should be doing things beyond that, you can put money towards finding solutions to 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 the to the crisis and that's what the global returns portfolio is seeking to do so those are the those are the people we're currently working with so it's a whole range of financial and and business enterprises excellent so loads of 
loads of opportunities for people to get involved. And um, I know a minute ago you mentioned ESG and obviously that's been a big buzzword in the financial advice industry for a while now. And with that, obviously a lot more clients are interested, but then there's also other things to consider, just greenwashing. So um, taking it a step further, do you think you could run us through why ESG is not necessarily enough to tackle the climate crisis and what the shortcomings of mainstream ESG strategies are and the kind of gaps that not-for-profit organisations can potentially fill? Yes, of course. Um, so, so, I mean, one of the one of the problems with ESG is that it's a kind of label which is applied to a whole host of factors, and they get applied in 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 different ways. And um, you know, everyone I think understands that they want uh, their investments to be sustainable and that they don't right. want to harm the planet. But there's a lot of research out there which um, suggests that even funds with clean or green in the name or sustainable in the name are still causing environmental degradation. Yeah. And and that is a problem. And 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 you know people recognize that and there are lots of moves afoot to 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 try and regulate that better, to develop a taxonomy, to develop a uh, a framework so that there is much more clarity. And and of course there are there are potential risks with with mis-selling as well. And you know, just last week we saw, you know, the the asset management subsidiary of Deutsche Bank DWS had their offices raided um, because of um, concerns about mis-selling with regards to you know ESG, and it's, it's been you know widely reported in the press. So that's that's one sort of problem area. So you know, you you you, you but even if you were only investing in the funds which were not causing environmental degradation, which were actually, um, you know, helping protect the planet and enhance the the, the protection of the biosphere. Um, there would still be things which markets cannot achieve. So, so the, th the thing about markets is, you know, they're good at directing capital towards money making projects. So, you know, the rollout of renewables, the revolution in in um, you know uh, electric vehicles and the shakeup of, of of transportation generally, all of these things, markets are very good at that. Once things become price competitive, and capital gets directed at them, and people can make money out of. However, there are things like you know suing polluters, protecting some of the most fragile ecosystems like rainforests, which are important carbon sinks, um, protecting great whales, which are an important part of the carbon cycle and and a, and a um, indicator of a, of a healthy marine environment. All of these things, markets are no good at doing. Mm -hmm. right? And that's the reason the not-for-profits exist. Um, another example would be getting, you know, renewable energy to some of the, so there are roughly a billion people, maybe eight or 900 million people who live today without access to energy at all. And the poorest of those, if you can give those access to renewable energy, so small scale solar, for example, you can really change their lives. And also it means that they don't go and buy a diesel generator when they can afford it um, or they don't continue burning wood or coal or, you know, other other dirty fuels. Yeah. So that, that, you know, getting getting renewable energy to them, it, that is not something which markets are particularly good at. So. Those are the um, 
that's why what we're doing is well is is you know we think of it as beyond ESG um, in the sense that the reason the not-for-profits exist is precisely because they're doing the things which markets cannot achieve. Now, you know, in an ideal world, government policy would achieve a lot of these things, but we don't live in an ideal world, and that's why the not the not-for-profit organisations exist. Um, so, yeah, that's 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 probably. Um, I think yeah. I've covered why you know why we need to move beyond ESG. Absolutely, I think that's that's also important. It's like thinking further, isn't it? Thinking rather than just what's what's happening so far in the industry, it's taking it that step further. And it's really interesting what you say about the um, the a billion people not even having access to energy because obviously you need to help the people to help the planet and vice versa. So that's really really interesting. Yeah, and and I think I think that I think the the underlying logic of this this isn't just this isn't about philanthropy. There's a there's a there's an investment logic here because yeah. um, if we do things which protect and enhance the biosphere and help regenerate the planet, we think of these as regenerative investments. We're actually protecting our wealth because all investments are less risky mm -hmm. when the biosphere is protected. You know, in the in the medium and long term, none of our investments are going to perform well if we have a worsening no. climate and biodiversity crisis because it's going to undermine asset values it's going to undermine businesses it's going to cause huge you know migrations and existing economic models are going to be severely challenged yeah. so that it, it this is actually a rational investment decision as well as being you know the right thing to do and and the investment decision the, the sort of the application of it is that anyone who has an investment portfolio should be thinking about making a tiny allocation, you know, say, you know, a quarter of a percent or a few basis points to something like the global returns portfolio. Yeah. And they will thereby incorporate what we think of as regenerative investments into their normal asset allocation decisions. And that's that's what we think of as a as creating a symbiotic relationship between your investments and the planet. Okay, great. So obviously you just mentioned symbiosis. So if that's the new sustainability, what does that mean and how does that work in practice for advisors? Well, for, for the way it works in practice for advisors is, is that um, what they can do is that they can make their clients aware of the Global Returns Project. Yeah. And they can also be aware of some of the shortcomings of, of ESG and some of the pitfalls and for those who who you know who feel that they want to take meaningful action on climate which is effective because this is actually one of the most effective things that an individual can do yeah um then then um they can you know um introduce them either directly to us or incorporate an allocation to the global returns portfolio as part of as part of their investment decision and you know the amount of that is entirely up to the up to the individual client um, and you know they can get in touch with us to to um, so we, you know we can work out how to collaborate with them we can do presentations to their clients and we can help them in that process um, and so and so the idea is of, of, you know the symbiosis is that if we are generating returns in our investment portfolios some tiny percentage of that can go towards 
some of the best climate and nature not-for-profits in the global returns portfolio. And th that generates global returns, which are the protection and enhancement of the biosphere. And those returns are real and identifiable. They're just not financial. Yeah. And that in turn, as I mentioned earlier, makes all our investments less risky. And that's what we mean by symbiosis in, in finance or a symbiotic relationship with, with the planet. And, and so the, you know, the, the portfolio generates wealth, delivers financial returns, and the global returns portfolio and allocation to that delivers global returns. Excellent. So just taking that one step further and again, bring it back to our, our listeners who are predominantly advisors, what can they do to stay ahead of the ESG curve? Well, so, um, you know, one of the things they can do is is um, get well informed about all of the issues around ESG. They can uh, sign up to our newsletter, which is a which is a two weekly newsletter where we, um, you know, comment on uh, finance and climate and ESG related topics. Um, you know, they can they can be aware of 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 the um shortcomings of, of esg and mm -hmm. i mean if i just think about it from a from a sort of mathematical point of view a lot of esg products charge higher fees but those fees don't necessarily mean a better outcome for the planet so maybe okay. the better outcome for their client might be to put them in lower fee products index type products with an allocation let's say you know a quarter of a percent to the global returns portfolio mm -hmm. now mathematically the return to the client will probably be the same or better mm -hmm. because the fees are lower in those products but from a from a, a true sustainability point of view they will be achieving better outcomes arguably for you know the planet and and the environmental objectives of their clients Absolutely. Brilliant. OK, so just to kind of finish off, I'd just like to ask you how we a question that we love to ask our, our podcast guests, and that's that if you had the power to change one thing in financial services today, what would that be? Um, oh, that's a big question. I know um, it's, it's a big one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so 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 if we just think about the global returns portfolio for a second, what does it do? So we have organisations in there like Ashton who are getting um, renewables to developing countries. We have Client Earth who are suing some of the best polluters and advising governments on some of the worst polluters, I mean, and advising governments on policy. We have Global Canopy who are analysing supply chains to help reduce re reforestation pressure. We've got Rainforest Trust who are protecting huge areas of rainforests and other um, habitats. We've got Trillion Trees who are you know, planting, restoring trees mainly in tropical areas and we have whale and dolphin conservation. So all of these organizations are achieving fantastic environmental outcomes and some of them are tackling systemic issues. Yeah. Now, if I had to change something, now we're obviously trying to do this as a, as a, as a voluntary thing. We're trying to introduce a new way of thinking into, into finance. If there was one change I could, I could make, what I would do is I would say, okay, we would have a wealth tax of a very small number of basis points, say five basis points, something that people really wouldn't notice. Yeah. And the proceeds of that tax would go into the best climate and nature 
organizations globally and that would it would be a change worth making oh absolutely if you can imagine that money going towards such a good cause like it's amazing to think what the impact could be so yeah well yeah brilliant well thanks so much for joining us today Jan I find that so interesting and I'm sure all of our listeners will too that was really great IFA Talk is for investment professionals only. All material has been carefully checked for accuracy, but no responsibility can be accepted for inaccuracies. Whatever appropriate, independent research, and whatever necessary, legal advice, should be sought before acting on any information contained in this podcast. And value of investments and income from them can go down as well as up. You may not get back the amount you originally invested.